Hi, Chris Fallotton here. Thanks for tuning in to my podcast. I'm so excited about my new show, Cultural Catalyst, where we help you to learn how to live fully alive, co-labor with God, and change the world. You can watch it weekly on my YouTube channel or listen to it here. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, welcome to Cultural Catalyst, where we help you learn how to live fully alive, co-labor with God, and change the world. And I'm your host, Chris Fallotton. And today I have Tanessa Odette with me. And Tanessa, you lead our God and Government class. Um, that's very exciting. Yes. You also serve Brian Dolly. What position do you serve him in? I am a district representative for the California State Senate in District 1. That sounds very important. <laughs> <laughs> wow. The more words, the And more you're important. also running for city council. Yes, and here in Redmond. And we should add that you have a business called Call to Action Consulting, I know that could right down there. That's right. Yeah, I've been helping other people get elected to office for the last seven years. And now you are running yourself. That's right. I am my 11th client. And you are your own 11th yes, client. Yes, and oh. my favorite because oh, <laughs> I favorite. never argue with myself. Ooh, that yes, could be. I say yes to every idea. That's very scary. <laughs> hey, before we talk about that, before we talk about that, okay. I want to tell, talk a little bit about you. Okay. okay. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your family. And then we'll get into, like, why are you doing this? Yeah. Um, so um, uh, my parents were saved in the Catholic Charismatic Movement of oh, the yeah. 70s, down in the Jesus Movement, down in L.A. And uh, my dad led guitar masses. So my mom and dad are both from a huge Catholic family. My mom's from 10. My dad's from 6. And they grew up down in the San Fernando Valley in L.A. And the, they were doing guitar mass. Holy Spirit hit. I went to visit the Pope. Did, okay. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Continue. that later. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> you win. Um, okay, so, but yeah, so they... I do win. You do. I know. I know. We know. But um, yeah, so they played at, down at Loyola Marymount, the whole thing. They were part of that whole movement. They did festivals. And then the Catholic Church was like, no, we don't want to do that anymore. And so, like, let's tame it down a little bit. So they had been going to a four-square church um, and doing, like, Friday night concerts at this thing called the Bread Box, which is in oh, Chatsworth. Yeah. Um, and, uh, they had, my mom was pregnant with me. They prophesied over her and it was just like a wild time. So they like, they loved that, but yeah, they prophesied that I'd be a girl and a prophetess and they got it, you know, at least 50%, right? Wow. I'm a prophet. No. Um, so they, I'm a, girl, a girl. I'm a girl. I'm a girl. You know yeah, yeah, I'm a girl, right? So yes. You like a girl? So that I do. Okay. Just making sure we got to <laughs> clarify. I'm wearing pink just so you know, okay. for sure. I'm yeah. a girl. Um, but yes, so that is the, uh, so yeah, so then they started going to the Foursquare Church and they got a band together, they got a bus and they started traveling across the U.S. So we'd travel to the East Coast. Were they like Jesus people, hippie hippie Jesus people? Oh yeah, the long hair, the Mm -hmm. mustaches, we had a whole group and it was like a whole uh, band. We traveled together, stopped somewhere, work, raise money. Go do these concerts, oh, revival wow, concerts. That was yeah, really Jesus people. Yeah, it was fun. People got healed, so we were like, you know, I was a night owl for a long time because we were up exactly. up at night. Yeah, but there was my mom and dad had four kids by the time my mom was like twenty four. So there was four kids on a bus. You're the oldest. I'm the second oldest. Three boys and me. And so uh, I got a lot of prayer on a bus. Everywhere we went, people were praying for me because wow. I was the only girl with all these brothers in a, a big yeah, band. Absolutely. So yeah, so it was it was you know quite exciting and we did that till I was seven and then we came back to the San Fernando Valley and you know started doing normal life my dad got a job and 
you know. He got the, a real job. He got a real job. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we sang in church, and we were we were just always part of church. And That's so for, really beautiful, actually. Yeah. So for me, um, I just always thought I'd end up somewhere in the church. I had that. I had that word, so I knew who I was. I was called yeah. to God. I was called, and I, I was a missionette, you know, so I knew yeah. my, my scripture. And um, that's just sort of been the filter for my life is the word of God. And so it was um, in high school, um, you know, I was the one who, you know, would talk a lot in our religious classes. So I went to Baptist Junior High School. I went to Catholic High School. Yeah, it was really fun. So I, we went through all kinda, the denominations. Kind of stay, sure. stay with the roots a little bit. Yeah, we did a little homeschooling. I did tell you, I did everything. the Pope, right? He did visit the Pope. But yeah, so I have, I have, I've kind of been in a lot of different denominations. But yeah, so. Um, and now you're married? I am married. Where'd um, you meet I, your man at? In college. At the college. Catholic college. Oh, no, no so you went to Catholic high school. Yeah, I went to Catholic high school. About 15, my parents got divorced. And so are very cool. We are all together as a family. Everything oh is my gosh, Bible studies. I didn't know that part of the story. That's yeah. tragic. It was, and it, it really upended our lives. And so it was a, it was very challenging. And the Lord said to me in my very deep, dark depression that I was in, so are you following me because of your dad? Are you following me because of yeah, you? He's got no grandkids. And I said, um, I'm following because of you. And he's like, okay, well, that has to look like something. So, yeah, so I just sort of have known who I am and whose I am my whole life. But circumstances, <laughs> all the yeah. circumstances, have fought really hard yeah. to disrupt that in my life. And it was not very easy. I, I think I'm a nine on the ACEs score, which all happened between the ages of 15 and 18. So it was an intense, traumatizing yeah, season. Yeah, which for people that don't know, that that's kind of the risk how yeah. how a risk assessment assessment of children? It's adverse childhood experiences. There's yeah, ten. It's not good. Like the low numbers are better. Right. So you can have ten, and mm. I have nine out of ten, and wow. it happened in a pretty short span. And it was just kind of felt like all of hell tried to take out our family. Yeah. And I just for myself, having known what I was called to, just sort of stayed the course, and just pursued whatever I possibly could to not create more chaos for myself. Wow. Um, I slept a lot because I thought that was not, you know, too sinful. Yeah. I was just depressed. Kind of depressed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, um, but I just kept going, and nothing was really going to stop me from going. And I, I left home, it, like, on a train with nothing to start school, was just going to figure it out. And so just been a bit of a plugger. Where did like, you go to school? I, I went High to San College. I went to um, Palomar Junior College down in San Diego, played volleyball there, took a train. I walked to school or took the bus to school until wow. an uncle decided to buy me a car, which was awesome. So did, I got like three jobs. Did you get a degree? I have my degree in political science from Sonoma State. Oh, wow. Yeah, I got recruited up there, went um, went there. That was that was good, and I met Jeff there. And how long have you been married? Well, I was married for... <laughs> I knew we were going this direction. Okay, so I was married for 15 years when I got divorced. Uh, we were divorced for three years. And then um, during COVID, we were trapped together with our family. And we reconciled. And we got remarried. I, I married you. <laughs> and Chris married I'm us, In yeah. the middle of a field. That's right. Actually, yeah. during COVID with just your family. Yeah. That was really a beautiful reconciliation. Yeah, it really was. So let's talk a little about government okay. and God. And you've been obviously well. Let's just back up and say you have a, you have a degree in, in political, political science. science. So you've had some interest for a long time. Yeah. 
So what exactly got you interested in in government? And then what does God and government actually mean to you? Um, I've always been interested in history. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I very much like the news and uh, political science is a research degree. So you're. Do you have a hero in history, American history? Um, I don't necessarily have um, people that are my heroes, but I definitely have ideas that I think are pretty incredible. Um, freedom is one of those. Um, and so I, I have a high value for freedom, which means I have had to learn and have a high value for boundaries. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's how you actually harness freedom yeah. into incredible um, prosperity and success and advancement. And so I, I don't have like specific people because people are people, so... People are people. Yeah, you know, uh, take the good I, I the sort of like George Washington, although I know he's he's gotten a rap lately. And yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I think their like ideas Franklin. are more important. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the, our constitution, oh, they, they're humans. Well, yeah, but our constitution took a, the best ideas when they when they yeah. built this document, this built this idea, mm-hmm. they built this society. They really took all the best ideas, and they had the benefit of hindsight seeing what did and didn't work and tried to cover all of our bases for this grand experiment which is america so are you trying to so god and government yeah we're talking a little bit about your philosophy now true story because you're you're like uh i don't know if i have a favorite person because people are flawed and george washington had slaves and everybody that we celebrated in high school as when i was a kid are now you know being obviously questioned uh but ideas philosophies do you think that christians should want to christianize america or christianize their city or what does it mean like well when i hear god and government i think a little bit like you know on the dark side maybe like uh maybe like mormon utah or something like that you know where religion is dominates a whole culture I, I think a lot of people have even that question in Reading, right? Right. Like the crazies are taking over and they're taking all of our rights away and we're all going to have to like stand in corners and fast and pray. And what, what, t- Let's talk about that just a little bit. What do you, what do you see in, as a government? You know, it, it, obviously you, you'd love to be a government official. You're running for city council. Just all of that. Let's talk through that. Yeah, so I think that the the choice of God in government is to rightly explain to Christians exactly God's role in the United States Constitution and us as our civic engagement, what our responsibility is as citizens. So God has a place in the founding of our of our nation. And it's so. important that we actually understand how that is. So we don't say things that actually divide us, mm-hmm. but we say things that bring people in. And so Our constitution is different than any other constitution before and after because it says that our rights come from God and not from government. It doesn't come from man. It comes from God. So you can't just take those rights away. And what that afforded us is a completely different set of operating rules where we're not a law of men but a nation of laws. And so just like we're not a, you know, it's not heroes that I have. It's amazing ideas that I appreciate. And so um, it's... For us in the class, it's really important that people understand, number one, what was happening in the politics of Jesus' day? Who are the actors in the Bible that are actually political figures as opposed to religious figures? You know, Jesus, when he came, you know, immediately he said, I got to go away because the people are going to want to make me their king. And he didn't come to be a politician, you know. But he also 
a multiplied bread and he didn't come to start a restaurant. And he also, you yeah. know, he did a lot, you know, he healed people. He didn't come to start a hospital. Like he came to bring people closer to God, to connect them to who God is and to bring them into a family, so good. to have them belong. And so, you know, when people say like, well, Jesus didn't do this. And so we shouldn't as um, political figures or we shouldn't as Christians. It's like, oh, that's a different, he was doing something different. Yeah. And so we don't compare him. He, to he was a mission. He had a specific mission. Absolutely. And, he, yeah. and it wasn't to be a politician, but that yeah. doesn't mean we demonize politicians. But I feel like for some, when you're, when you're, you know, when you're reading the Bible, um, when we're talking about government, we're talking about the local government in the Bible is the Sanhedrin. Mm-hmm. That is the city council of the day. If you yeah. think of, uh, in biblical times, if you think of, you know, the uh, uh, like our our government here is set up as uh, we have the federal government, state government, local government. Yeah. Well, Rome would have been the federal government. That's your president. Yeah. You know, then you're going to have your governor, which at the time that Jesus was born was Herod. And, yeah. then, it, and then it got divided up. Um, Israel got divided up into three portions. And uh, during when Jesus was on trial, it was Pilate who was the governor. But the Sanhedrin was the city council. And the high priest at that time was like the mayor or the Supreme Court judge because, you know, your local government is your yeah. judicial system, and it was all mixed together then. Yeah. And so your Sanhedrin is your city council, and you had two political parties in your in your Sanhedrin. You had the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Those were two political parties That's at the time. That way familiar. Yeah. Right. So when you when you're when you're talking about that, when we're I think the context, people think that if you're a Christian, you shouldn't be involved. Like the church thinks you shouldn't be involved in politics. Some, yeah. Lots yeah. Of and so there's a there's a battle. You know, I'm not like, yes, the people that aren't Christians feel threatened by people that are in the church and getting into politics. And, and I understand because of the way we talk. But um, but also the church thinks it's pretty dirty a lot of times to be involved in politics and it's just too messy and corrupt and all that kind of stuff. But that was happening back in Jesus' time as well. You know, when he flips over the table in the temple, it's one of the first things that happens that's recorded in John. Um, you know, he's doing that because the high priest, you know, the high priest is in charge of those yeah. weights and measures. City council is still in charge of weights and measures in the city. And when Jesus flips over those tables, my guess is what was under those tables is what was allowing them to cheat when it came to weights and measures. Yeah. You know, he didn't get arrested. The very thing that they uh, uh, they charge him with when he is crucified is saying that he will tear this temple down and raise it in three days. Well, he said that in the temple and they didn't arrest him at the time. Yeah. So he must have exposed something that was even more embarrassing than listening to what he had said yeah, um, that they good. didn't charge him for until later. So there was corruption there. The The high priest, um, you know, uh, actually was in charge of, of how they were charging the people and he was charging the poorest of the poor. He was taking advantage of their you know, their religious affection for God and their duty to God, and he, they were actually making money off of it because anybody that became that high priest was then financially taken care of by the temple. Yeah. And he was appointing his sons and his son-in-laws for short periods of time so they would all then be financially taken care of by the temple. So there was corruption happening yeah. in the Sanhedrin, and so he rightly was upset with that. And he, he has very harsh words for Pharisees and Sadducees, and we're not talking about religious. We're talking about a political party. Yeah. And... He was very frustrated with them, obviously, and that's all throughout the Bible. So I, I think when we put it into context, I think it helps Christians to understand like, oh, well, I, I wasn't aware of that. I didn't understand that that's, that's what he was being critical of and why he was being critical. But it's actually really important. So I don't – when we talk about God and government, I don't think we are – this is the contra- most controversial thing I say in class and it gets everybody upset. I don't think that when we say we're a Christian nation, I don't exactly think that that's accurate. We are founded on Judeo-Christian principles. Yeah. But what those constitutional framers wanted people to know is that you do not have to be a Christian to be an American. 
You don't. You, you don't you have need to be to a be Christian a, to be American. That's absolutely true. And you need to be a moral people, but that morality was true of many religions, and mm-hmm. it's true of many people that have no religion. You mm-hmm. can have morals and standards. It's internal values, and that's important because people don't— when we say you're a Christian nation, it actually separates people from feeling like they belong, that they are part, or they can be successful. Mm-hmm. And people from other nations that are amazing and wonderful and moral and do amazing things that we should replicate feel like, well— but I'm not, you know, I'm not American, so I can't really, it's not a Christian, you know, mm-hmm. that type of thing. And I don't want that. I mean, even when our uh, Constitution was ratified, there were seven states that had state religions. Even Jefferson, who wrote the separation of church and state in our federal government, which is really, really important, as you know, running a church. It's not in our Constitution, but. Um, that they w- we will have no federal religion is in our Constitution. Yes, exactly. And w- the importance of that is that the state cannot tell the church what to do. Yes. Right? It's very important. We yeah. want the f- that freedom. Well, when the Constitution was ratified for no federal religion, the states had religions. Seven of the 13 states had religions. But what Jefferson writes about later is that it actually diminished their influence because people only wanted to come live in those states if they were that religion. And it actually limited their growth. It limited their potential because mm-hmm. what they realized, or Jefferson realized, it, it, it's better to not have that. It actually is limiting mm-hmm. to just be exclusive. And he wanted, his obviously, the states to have more influence, and so they wanted more people to come. So this concept is really important. It, it should be embracing when you're a government person, you shouldn't be out there, you know, evangelizing that's not the role of a government official it's to actually unify bring us all together on what is more of the same about us than what makes us different and so i caution people and i teach this in my class and i caution people not to say things flippantly like we're a christian nation because it actually makes people not feel like they belong yeah and in the kingdom we all belong yeah and i think too it's you know we've had this dialogue many times and i teach in the class too yeah and we talk through the fact that Part of the part part of being a, a, in government is that I represent the people. Yeah, all the people. So all I'm not them. a pastor. Correct. And and we we if you read, uh, in fact, I would really encourage our audience to read Romans 13, the first eight or ten verses, because that outlines the 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 Christian view of government right yeah. there. And then we have the fivefold ministry in Ephesians chapter four. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher—they have a specific role in culture, and I think that oftentimes we're asking our government leaders to do what our spiritual leaders are actually tasked with. Right. So, you know, as a Christian, I do want to see people come to Christ. Right. I do believe that without without Christ, that you're one lost, and two, I, I don't think you come to true your true destiny without Christ. But I'm not asking my governor, my city council, my president to, as you just said, to culturize right. our, our, our city, our nation, our right. state, to Christian nation. I'm asking, I, I, I am tasked as a, as a leader in a church to bring Christianity to unreached people in our community. But that is not the role of government. Correct. And so I think that's I think it's really important that we actually make that distinction, so that when we vote for somebody in, as a government leader, that we think, well, I'm going to vote them in because they, you know, they're going to they're going to turn our city to Christ. I'm like, actually, that would be your responsibility. Their responsibility is to act fairly 
with all people, right. no matter their religious affiliations right. or not religious affiliations, right. because that's a just balance yeah. that Proverbs talks about. Yeah, I, I would ra- I'd prefer that people think I was a person of character, of integrity, of honesty, <clears throat> of hard work, than that, oh, she's just a Christian. Like, I, I, it should look like something. Yeah. And I don't want to go around, you know, s- of trying to evangelize people when actually my job is to do something far different. Run a beautiful city. Yeah, yes. And, and that, it, that means I bring in the most amount of people that want to do good. And I don't. It won't. It doesn't matter what religion you are, or if that you're no religion at all. Yeah. I'm no threat to the people that di- that are different than me, mm-hmm. and that can be true in many different respects. You know, there's yeah. people have different interests and different focuses and priorities, but um, it, it's it's a different opportunity. I think that sometimes people don't realize that God planted two trees in the garden, right? right. Uh, virtual good tree and a virtual bad tree. Uh, okay. The tree of life. A tree of knowledge of good and evil, which leads to death, right? right. I mean, the, the devil convinced even Adam to eat that wrong tree, but God planted it. Right. Which tells us the nature of God, that God is the God, as you just said, of freedom. Right. Of free will. Right. And we think, often as Christians, we cut down the second tree, and we think that we have, we, we think we have sanctified the world by right. taking away choices. Correct. Right. And so, but it's the nature of God to give people free choice. It's the nature of God to give people the ability to sin. Yeah. Right? The freedom, we have freedom at the risk of sin. Well, yeah, and as a church, we're either there to tell you all about which one is right and wrong, and hey, you're sinning. I don't know if you know this or not, but you're sinning. It's like, Yeah. yeah, I don't need you to tell me that. Why don't you tell me about the God that says, I care that you get a choice? I care, and also, you know I mean? and I've also gave, I've given you an answer before there ever was a problem. Right, but that is not the role of government. Correct. Give me a little bit. We have about mm, ten minutes left. Let's talk about Reading because okay. you're running for city council. Yeah, and you've been here a long time. Yeah. What is your vision for Reading? And if you get elected, like, what, what do you think our 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 major problem. I know there's problems everywhere, but what are the major problems that you, you know, you can't fix everything? But right. what would you go after? How would you? What would be the benefits of you being on city council? Yeah. If someone wants to, uh, um, you know, actually vote for you. Yeah, I'm. I've. I get asked this question: Why are you running? What are you doing? Why? Yeah. Why would you choose to do this? It's more so like, why now? Not you know, not before and. So the timing of it is it's right for my family. Yeah. Um, and the city, I feel like, is in an incredible place. And I'm not running because I want to fix something or I think it's broken or I think it's wrong. I actually think there's so much right with threading. Yeah, it's really and we have Yeah, we have incredible people. We've made incredible progress. We're building like we've never built before. We, we know what our issues are quite specifically down to details. And it's just a matter of how do we bring people together? How do we make these connections to where we can solve issues? Because I don't think government solves our problems. I think people solve problems. Yep. And it's about bringing together the right people to solve whatever issue we have. And Reading is sort of this amazing, unique place. You know, I, I listen to the news all the time. I love it. I read. I consume information, you know. Because I, lo- I love it, I just I love information. You and I are it's, on the same page pa- there. So. Yeah, information is power. You. So thank you. So, but I so I like it. I listen to it. I'm 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 looking for the kernels of truth or the patterns and trying to figure out exactly what's what's trying to 
to be accomplished and pushed and whatnot. So for me, when I'm listening and I hear this idea of we're going to send social workers instead of police officers, I'm like, well, that feels really dangerous. You mean into like domestic violence situations? Or any any type of criminal behavior. Yeah. You're going to send it like, how is that going to work? Well, locally, we actually started doing that. And when I heard about it, I was like, well, let me go find out some more. And so I did a ride along with our, it's called CERT, which is our crisis intervention response team, which is a licensed therapist that goes out with two plain closed detectives or not detectives, um, officers. Yeah. Um, okay. So let me see how this works. It's remarkable. And what they're doing will change the way we police. So good. For sure in California, but I think everywhere. We've got a great police chief. Yeah, we have a great police chief. We should we have, put a plug in for him right now. Yeah, Schuler's amazing. He and, is. And the thing about our local government is that it's everybody here in this local government, whether you're on police, fire, um, city officials, you live here. So you live where you're affecting every choice that they make. You know, I was talking to a friend, and he's a he's a um, he's in uh, Reading's police department, and he was like, you know, my my wife goes on the trail. I care if the trails are safe. Yeah. I care if the homeless uh, community is is reaching too far into public spaces, like, mm-hmm. uh, and it becomes un, uh, unsafe. He, they care. So okay. So we have people that care, people that you know understand government, know how to navigate it. We have. We have so many nonprofits in our community. I, I don't know a single person that's not involved with multiple nonprofits because yeah. there's time. We don't have to, we don't have commutes, so we have time. Yeah. You know, for all my friends in LA listening, it's nothing like everything's yeah. ten minutes away. Yeah. and if it's twelve, we complain. Yeah, you know what I mean. And that's literally ten miles. Yeah, away. we're not spending two hours a day driving or, or longer. So we have time. We yeah. have we have the resource of time, and we and we give back constantly. And so, to me. Uh, what we have here is amazing. So I've heard that story. Oh, so send a social worker. So then I watched it. And what they're doing is they're actually singling out these people that have, you know, maybe they, they have criminal behavior, but it's probably because of addiction or it's because of <clears throat> mental illness. And they get picked up by the RPD. RPD books them. But when they come out, they're waiting for them. And they're saying, okay, we're going to get you some services. Like, are you ready? Are you ready to get help? Are you ready to go into treatment? Help them treatment? solve the real yeah. root issues as opposed to just being repeat. Because some of these calls, I was talking to the police chief, this, is, this has been a while ago, but he was, t- he was telling me that like a high percentage of their calls are just re- the same repeat offenders Hundreds over and over. of times. Hundreds of times. Yeah. Yeah, hundreds of times. I mean, I'm th- we have problems. We're living in California. We yeah. we have laws that actually put people right back out that have decriminalized cr- criminal activities. Yeah. So it just means that there's no punishment for those crimes. Yeah. And it sort of terrorizes our communities because it's really very obvious yeah. to us our daily life. Maybe you get your car broken into, you get a window broken. And so it's our it's our quality of life issues. So it's like, okay, well, we have a community that cares. We have a community that's very involved. We can solve this, and we can innovate to the point where we can actually go and teach other cities and counties how to do this. That's so good. And that's what I want. And our city doesn't even know half the time. Like, they don't know what we have, and I want them to know. And as a representative, it's my job to represent government to people and represent the people to government. Yeah. And we shouldn't be contentious with government. You know, I tell my class, like, if you're offended by things in government, my only ask of you the whole year is to meet your friends with curiosity. 
just go find out the answer. Yeah. So if something I say is like, well, that can't be true, go find out why. And if you find out something better, tell me. Yeah. <laughs> Confront me. I'm, I'm good. Make me better by telling me the error of my ways. Because I'll, I will just as hard push exactly the truth if you find it different than what I'm saying. So you're, you're in supporting the direction that we're going for law enforcement, which is highly compassionate it's highly, if I could say, it's it's kind of a, a mentoring, discipling, whatever it's word effective. you want to put. It's effective because that, you're actually you're actually connecting people relationally. Yes. To healthy people who are helping them. Yes. You got about three minutes. Okay. Is there something else that you would like to say concerning your the city? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's going to boil down to I want to create a better connection between the people and government. I want to okay. empower people because in our government, people are the pinnacle of power. But we don't. They don't feel that way. People yeah. don't feel powerful no. to their governments, no. and so they don't feel heard by them. So there's several things that I'll do. I'll have office hours, which is a part-time job, city council, but it won't be for me. I will have office hours. I will go out to businesses to talk to them. I will do public forums because we have to have places other than the principal's office <laughs> of yeah. the city council chamber yeah. where people are nervous, and you know, you get up there, nobody talks back to you, and it's kind of it's you just got awkward. Three minutes, if you get have three anything. minutes, get your whole life, you know, and explain the whole argument in three minutes. Um, I just want to make it so that people feel like they can be heard, that they can hear their government officials, and that there is an exchange of ideas, a negotiating of ideas, and then someone's going to fight for them. You know, if you have me on your team, I'm a good advocate. I'm a good advocate for truth, and so I want to be that to the people. So good. How can people get in touch with you to maybe bring around this, have this dialogue with you? Yeah. Or maybe bring you into a, a group of people who you could have this dialogue with. So all my contact information is on my website, which is votetenessa.com. Votetenessa.com. V-O-T-E-T-E-N-E-S-S-A.com. Tenessa, thanks so much for being on the Cultural Catalyst webcast. And as you know, I can't promote you publicly, but I do want to say that you've done a great job for me, and I would recommend that people look at your website and make a great choice. God bless you. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you want to find out more, read my blog or listen to the previous podcast episodes. Go to chrisvelton.com. Have an awesome day.